This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hey there, coffee lovers. Are you ready to take your online presence to the next level? Well, grab your favorite mug because you're in for a treat. Welcome to the Coffee with Kate, brewing business brilliance for entrepreneurs podcast, where we brew up strategies to help you stand out online. I'm your host, Kate Payne, and I'm here to ignite your digital presence and bring out the best in your business. Like you, I love coffee, but my true calling is helping entrepreneurs like you unleash their unique stories to make a lasting impact in the world and become more visible online. I'll be your guide as we delve into riveting conversations with experts, clients, and colleagues. We'll cover a wide range of topics from networking and digital marketing to social media and the latest business and personal branding trends. Consider this your all-in-one resource for online visibility. Together, we'll discover all the ways you can stand out online and make an impact in the world. So let's connect, share ideas, and learn from each other. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Kate. Kate Payne here from Standing Out Online with my guest, Marion Abrams. This is great, Kate. I'm I am very I'm eager to to have this conversation, but I'm also so relaxed because I feel like we've known each other for so long. We have known each other for a long time. And so let me just give everybody a little a little context here. So I've known Marion since um, I was a member of WBON, which is the Women Business Owners Network here in Vermont. Both Marion and I are from Vermont, actually, and live here. And I met Marion. Uh, she was a member of WBON, and I was the executive director at the time. So that was like a good 10 years ago. Oh, I think it might have been longer. More. Yeah. It might have even been more. Yeah. And so um, anyway, that's how I got got to know you. And uh, Marion has been in, in the video production world. In fact, her own business, video production business is Mad Motion. And she has um, been a, a pro in that arena for a very long time. And I hired her for some, some jobs, um, specifically my husband's um, Elemental Edge training business. We hired you to do all of the shots of him working in the field with um, candidates for Navy SEAL. So that, that was kind of a fun shoot. And yeah. he's he's a really impressive, impressive leader and an impressive educator in that field for sure. Yeah, he is. So thanks for doing that. So anyway, we've stayed in touch. And so Marion's been in video production and now she's really known for podcasting. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So first of all, uh, for anybody who's listening right now, thank you and welcome. And um, thank you all for those of you who are watching the replay. Feel free to put your questions in the comments, um, whether you're on Facebook or LinkedIn, and let's get into talk about podcasting. But let's go backwards a little bit. Um, let's just quickly talk about how you, your your original love or your uh, initial love of video production and how you got into that. Yeah. I mean, actually, I won't say it was my first love because uh, I started out school uh, in art school. And I very quickly learned that I did not have the stuff to be a painter. That was not a career for me. And so film school was a way that I could be creative and that I could also have work, have a career and really bring all those things together. And it's turned out to be such a fantastic place for me because it's the only kind of career or job that would have kept me engaged for 30 plus years because every job, every client, every day is different. Right. It is. That's that's what always makes it interesting, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, public relations, which was my original background, same thing. It was no two, no two days were the same. Yeah. 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 And, and you learn from every client, right? I mean, whether it's an insurance salesperson that's doing a promotional video or whether you're standing at the starting line for the US Alpine Freestyle, you know, <laughs> nationals or something, it, it there's always something new to learn. Well, when you were doing video production, you weren't just do it, you weren't doing like weddings. <laughs> no. Um, you know, you you may have done an occasional one, you know, just to pay the bills, but um you were doing pretty unique video work. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, one of the great things about being in Vermont is that it's a small enough state that you really don't get stuck in one particular tight niche. And so I was able to work in a lot of different areas and kind of learn a really broad, rich set of skills. And so, um, you know, what I was doing was producing commercials for some of the biggest clients in the state, people like Vermont Lottery. Vermont Department of Tourism, Vermont Ski Areas Association, a lot of the ski areas in the state, but also doing documentary work, uh, editing uh, a bird watch series that was syndicated on PBS nationally, um, and a lot of on snow camera work, skiing with the camera, you know, days and days uh, on snow and just being outside. And that was actually a really great type of creative expression because not only was there the fresh air, but it was really an opportunity to learn visual storytelling too. Yes. So back in the um, 80s, late 80s, um, and you may, I think we talked about this once, um, Bill Driscoll, who is a big time video production person. He had, I lived in Stowe um, and he started WSTO, which was a Stowe cable channel. And I volunteered to work for him because I really thought I wanted to get into broadcasting. And one of the first things I learned using a three tube Ikigami video camera was how to ski with it. And so, <laughs> so a lot of the stuff we did was lugging all that, yeah. that schlepping that stuff around, man. There was like the deck hanging over your shoulder mm -hmm. and, um, the camera was like huge, and batteries would die really fast because it was cold. So you had these giant brick batteries. But you know what? I taught, I learned how to shoot some of the best stuff, learning how to ski, um, holding a, a that huge camera, which is yep. huge that you'd normally wear on your shoulder. And, you know, you yeah. could hold it like this and zoom in. But I learned how to like hold it from the handle and like put it by my knee so that you could get that low angle. Yeah. You know, that's what yeah, GoPros yeah. do now. But um, um, exactly. learning to, I'm just only, I know I'm a sidebar here but learning to videotape with that equipment on a mountain is not easy. <laughs> well, the hardest part is the cold fingers, right? It's really, especially a lot of the stuff that, that we would do, which was, um, you know, again, things like the Alpine Freestyle Nationals or the Pro wow. Mogul Tour. And you would go up on the mountain, you know, in the dark in the morning, and you would spend a lot of time getting in the right position and getting everything set up. And by the time the skiers were coming by, Really, it was all about like, could you stay warm? Yeah. Were you willing to take the mittens off to use the camera when the time came? You know, there was definitely the creative part, but um, but there was also a lot of just well, and uh, trying to keep your batteries warm. Yes, for sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, under your armpits. <laughs> it was really fun. Chest. It fun was fun. Cold. Yeah. So, so our our friend Vivian Infantino said, "Oh, please don't downplay weddings. Vermont weddings are a strong part of our tourism industry for sure." and provide significant income for quite a few non-big box businesses. Totally agree with you, Vivian, and certainly not trying to downplay weddings by any by any means. But- And, um, and I would just even um, add to that, I don't, you know, 
I did do wedding videos for a few years when my kids were small. And I think it's an industry, an area that gets um, kind of looked down upon, but really the skill set of a good, you know, these days, the people doing wedding video, they are making beautiful work in really difficult, high stress conditions Absolutely. because they have to be kind of unobtrusive. They have to be ready at all times to capture the moment. Um, it really is a, a higher skill set than than it, it's underappreciated. I it say. is. And I used to do it too. I mean, when I had my video production business, not to the scale you did, but back in the mid nineties, that was my bread and butter with the weddings. Um, I did 25 weddings one summer and I'll tell you, it's wow. the hardest I've ever worked. And it was before digital. So the cameras were big, heavy. It was hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but, but I do uh, appreciate that you, um, that you were saying, um, you know, like it or not, the outside world needs to see credentials. Yes. And especially being from Vermont, maybe being female, maybe not wearing makeup. Right. Um, people can make assumptions about the level of uh, professionalism, the level of accomplishment, the level of background that people like you and I right. may have. And so it does help to sort of say, yes, uh, we were doing the offline edit for Birdwatch, which was a nationally syndicated PBS show. Yes. You know, I was shooting work that has aired on all the major networks and, you know, yes, I have produced and directed for national clients. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, Catherine McConnell says I'm having mountain event flashbacks. <laughs> It is a we all party. are, Catherine. Thanks. All right. Well, let's shift then from that. And so, so how does one who's uh, so well known and doing such cool things in in video production, how did you end up finding and doing podcasts? It's so funny, Kate, because I think I didn't, you know, like like most of the things that we take on that are new, uh, we might not take them on if we knew how different or how difficult they were. And my assumption was that podcasting would be just like video production. I mean, as you and I were saying offline before we started, right. people will accept poor video quality as long as the audio is good. Right. So I had a solid understanding of, of you know what I thought was audio quality and thought that it would be pretty straightforward. And in fact, the first podcast that I built was for the founder and CEO of Spartan Race. Um, in fact, I had been doing video work and promotional work for him before Spartan was even a thing mm -hmm. and helping really build that brand in the early, early days. And so uh, when he asked about starting a podcast, it just seemed like a no brainer. I thought of it as just another video production job. And right. we did record all of our episodes in video and audio. Now over the last nine years- And then years, you pulled the audio out? Is that, is that what you did for the podcast? Yeah, yeah. And before we go any further, sorry to um, interrupt you. But just let people know, for people who aren't um, sure what Spartan is, just give them a little brief background of Joe DeSena and Spartan. Yeah, Spartan Race is now the world's largest obstacle racing company. Uh, they've had over a million and a half uh, participants run through wow. their courses. They're in 40 plus countries. Uh, wow, their biggest competitor used to be Tough Mudder. They now own Tough Mudder. Uh, they've started a trail racing series. They have a fitness app, a gym-based uh, competitive series, clothing lines. Um, so the company has really become a, you know, a, a well-known international endurance mm -hmm. brand. And the mission is to rip 100 million people off the couch and give them the tools to keep to keep going. So it's and Joe DeSena lives in Vermont. And so Spartan is actually sort of birthed here. It was absolutely <laughs> birthed in Vermont. Yeah. Catherine says it's a Vermont party. Yes. 
<laughs> it is a Vermont party. Yeah, it was birthed in Vermont. In fact, it was birthed in a town of 500 people where I lived when Joe DeSena came to Vermont. He had a background in uh, in endurance sports. Personally, he participated in them. And I had been, as we talked about, shooting not only skiing, but marathons and mountain biking races. And so we connected pretty, pretty early on. So then did you become, um, so he brought you into doing his podcasting. Were you basically the producer of it or, is, or, or what, what, whatever, what would you call it? Yeah. I mean, again, I don't think we knew early on all the pieces that it would take. And so, you know, the beauty of it was I really was hands-on in every facet of developing that show from auditioning our first hosts, from developing what the show would be like. We, we recorded about 20 episodes that have never been released because wow. we just couldn't get the flow right, the combination of people on camera, um, all that stuff worked out. And so, you know, I don't want to say, I mean, obviously it is the Spartan Up podcast and right. Joe is the primary host, although today we've had 12 or 15 different hosts on there. Um, I would almost say I am at least equally, if not more, uh, sort of the visionary behind the show than him, just because he's building a company. Right. You know? right. So his day-to-day -day life exactly. is building a company. Right. My obsession well, that's why he has was you. building a podcast. Right. And right. so, yeah, it was producing, it was directing, it was um, coaching new talent, it was uh, finding guests, it was interacting with the guests before and after, understanding promotion plans, really every piece of it. Right. So you're still doing that, right? I am still doing that. Okay. More and in, yeah, yeah. And now <laughs> you started your own podcast. Um, and just a little another quick little sidebar. So last year I was invited to to teach a master class for the Global Podfest Summit with Chris Kamitsos. Yeah. Um, and they were going for a Guinness Book World Record for the most number of listeners. And so I was invited to be a speaker. And when we were when we were in some room, I saw Marion in the chat and I'm like, oh my God, Marion. So I'm like texting her privately going, hey, how are you? Look at us in the Global PodFest Summit together. <laughs> yeah, I ran a track for fitness and self-improvement um, podcasters because in addition to building the podcast, we built several podcaster events. And so I had built a network of podcasters in the really kind of resilience, leadership, self-improvement space. Okay. Catherine just shared this. Joe DeSena, another Vermonter and recent guest of Talent Champions Council. So I think that's that's um, something related to you, Catherine. Thank you. Um, all right. So now let's talk about like, so what inspired you to do your own podcast, which is called Grounded Content? Thank you for asking this, Kate. <laughs> so, um, you know, when when this pandemic that we all went through hit. What pandemic? It, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, it's funny to think back on how all the different feelings and all the different phases that that has, has brought us through. But when that happened, it was an opportunity for transition for a lot of people. Um, and for me, one of the things that happened was at first I was super busy with my work with Spartan, who had become really my primary client at that time. And, um, and I was envious because we started doing a daily um, live Zoom because we felt people really needed community. Mm -hmm. And so we reached back out to many of our past podcast guests. By then we had done 300 and something interviews. And one of the co-hosts and I hosted a daily Zoom chat every day for a couple of months 
early on in the pandemic to just really help people stay on track and build right. community. And I was listening to all these people who were getting motivated and taking new classes and building new businesses and starting transitions. And I was like, I'm still doing my old thing. I don't have, like, I, I was envious. <laughs> yeah, right. And so so I started making- Felt like you were missing out. Yes, I did. Homo. <laughs> exactly. So I started making small commitments. And so I did things like, okay, I'm going to do a daily photo blog because I wanted to um, really work on my photography skills. Mm -hmm. I'm going to challenge myself. So I just kept challenging myself in little ways. And, you know, having my own podcast was something that I had been thinking about for a long time. Um, partly just because, you know, when you're directing somebody else, you're always just back there thinking like, what about this question? I know about <laughs> this question. And you can only interrupt so many times. So I thought, you know, here's something I really care about. And I really want to talk about. And that is how do you be grounded and honest and also be really tactical and effective in your marketing and in your content? Because I think that's something you and I have in common. Yeah. I believe that those two are not counter to each other, that exactly. you can be real and authentic and grounded yep. and honest, and you can be very effective. And it's so like that what we were talking about offline beforehand. It's about, it's about being, being real and you don't have to be perfect and polished and people yeah. are resonate much more with that. Yeah. And I think there's this, this sort of, I think people tend to think there's this dichotomy where you have to be like, there's the sort of woo woo people saying, be you, be real and that's about your personal sort of development. And then there's the people that are really trying to sell and be effective. Mm -hmm. And I just think those two are not in opposition to each other. So that's right. kind of the mission of the of the podcast is to talk to people like you uh, and really get tactical tips for the audience, but also bring into that conversation, where are these lines between manipulation and persuasion? And you know how do we really think about the messages and how right. we convey them? Right. Right. Agreed. So, so, so you got your grounded con. So when did you actually start it? I don't even know the date. I, <laughs> I launched it, you know, I launched it ugly and I just got it out there and then I kind of had a little pause and now I am really on a roll and, and doing an episode every week and having a great time with it. That's great. All right. Well, let's switch gears a little bit because I really wanted to, I want people who are listening today and those of you who are listening on the replay to really have some some things that they can think about and take away. And so um, we had talked about, uh, you, you know, what what would attract somebody to do their a podcast? So I want to talk a little bit like, what are some of the pros? What are the cons? Because podcasting isn't for everybody, you know, um, and let's talk about that. And what are some of the myths? So one of the things you had said on a post was that this was going to be, you know, no bullshit and you were going to go deep. And um, and Lisa had said, you know, I love it. No bullshit zone. Love it, Marion. <laughs> um, you know, and Lisa is certainly a no bullshit person too. <laughs> and I'm saying that with love. So um, let's just talk a little bit about like, who is a good, well, if somebody really wants to do a podcast, what are like the top two or three things you would say, make sure you do these? Yeah. So, I mean, here's number one. Um, I actually interviewed this week on my podcast, Christy Hausler, and she is uh, had started a business as a podcast editor, and she's worked with many, many podcasters. Mm -hmm. And she tells the story that she actually had one of her clients who had really good download numbers say that they were going to stop podcasting. And she said, why? And they said, I have never made a penny. And Christy realized that even charging this, this podcaster 
her bottom rate of, you know, a few hundred dollars a month, that Christy had made more money than this podcaster had made. And so she decided she started something called Podcast Monetization Secrets, and she really wants to help people figure out how to make money from their podcast. And the first thing that she said you should ask, and I agree with her completely, is who do you serve and how do you serve them? Right. Right. Because most people, and, and I have my version of that, which is the five P's, and we have purpose and point of view, and I can talk about that. But so many people got excited by the hype. You've got to have a podcast. It's easy. Go ahead. You know, it's it's open. Get in there. You know, the space is wide open. But they didn't ask some really foundational questions about what they wanted the podcast to do for them and what their unique voice, what they brought to the conversation was. Right. So there are now 2 million podcasts. Wow. And of those, only about 750,000 have had a new episode in the last 90 days. Wow. Wow. So why do you think that, is it just because it's, it's, it's hard for people or something? I mean, I think it's like a lot of things. I don't think that's super unique to podcasting. I mean, okay. many of us start a lot of things. We start a photography hobby. We start yeah. crocheting. We start yes, a blog. Right. We start, or you go, know, when we go full tilt and, yeah. and, and, you know, we get a gym membership and a month into it, we haven't really kept up with it. So some of it really <laughs> is analogy. That. And especially if you're not asking these important questions, right? And so this is like where my five P's or where that question Christy asks is, what's the purpose, right? And by purpose, I mean, what it, what can the podcast do for you? It might be opening doors to conversation. It might be a creative expression. It might be that you expect to monetize and sell sponsorships. It could be you want to sell your book or sell your products or sell your course. You want to drive traffic. You want to speak to your existing community and serve them in a new way. There's a lot of different things that the show can do for you. If you don't understand what that is, then you have no way to measure your success and you have no way to know what success looks like. And it's kind of inevitable that you're going to become disheartened. Yes. Right. It's also a commitment too, right? It, it is a commitment. I mean, it's, if you're going to do a podcast and you want to get traction, just like anything we do, especially in marketing for our own businesses, you're going to, you've got to commit to it. Yeah. So here's where you talked about the pros and cons, right? Right. Um, if you launch a podcast Here's a really a number that I think a lot of people find really surprising. Okay. And that is if you have at 30 days post publication, that's when most people measure um, the download numbers. Okay. And if at 30 days you have 125 downloads per episode, you are doing better than 50% of all the podcasts out there. Wow. Now, everybody says is, is stunned by that number. But here's what I also want people to think about. If you had an Instagram post and you had 125 people click like on it, you'd probably feel pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the amount of engagement that is, they took their mouse and they went like this, click. Click. That's like, right? Mm -hmm. Most, the stats bear out that most people are listening to 50 to 90% of most podcast episodes. Mm -hmm. So if you have, and the average episode is around 65 minutes. So wow. if, if you have that kind of engagement, that means somebody's spending 15, 20, 30 minutes with you. So even if that's 125 people, right, that's a real intense commitment and a real opportunity to speak to people in a whole different way. If you understand what that means. Exactly. 
right? Huh, that's I, that's staggering. Um, Catherine just made a comment. It felt like a frenzy of people starting podcasts in the past 15 months. The ones with the goals plus commitment seem to have flourished. Yeah, yeah. And so the second piece after the goal, right, which is the purpose to me, right, is your point of view. Okay. And it's just as important because if you think about it, there are so many podcasts. Mm -hmm. So if you start a podcast about crocheting because you love crocheting and there's another 20, 30, 50 podcasts about crocheting out there, if you try to be like them, it's not going to be different. Nobody needs to listen, right? right? Right. And if you start a podcast and you see Oprah is really successful or Gary Vaynerchuk is really successful, and so you try to copy them, right? the best you can possibly be is a second best Gary Vaynerchuk or a second mm -hmm. best Oprah. Who needs that? No right. one has any need for that. They'll just listen to the real thing. Exactly. So if you can find your own voice and your own point of view, this is where being authentic is effective and tactical. Find your own voice, find that thing that you can do that others can't, and then you become shareable. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's not that I'm trying to in any way make this about me, but it's exactly what I teach my clients. And so like the name of my business is standing out online. So the whole point of why I named my business that is because what I'm doing is trying to help people find that niche, find that thing that makes them unique, because that is going to be the thing that people not only relate to, because if they relate to it, then you've already set yourself apart in that industry because now they see you as somebody that, that's relatable, likable, trustworthy, and that's the connection that you want for them to, to listen to more of what you have to say and sharing. And always, always, as you know, and I think this is implicit in what you just said, is coming from a place of service so that you're always helping. So that's what the podcast is doing, right, Marion, is that you're you, just like I want my show today to have a takeaway, like what we're talking about right now. You have the same goal. And I would imagine most podcasters who are doing it the right way have that same goal. Yes. No. Yeah. So I would say absolutely. Um, first of all, I think you and I get along because we see this in a very similar way. Right. Those foundation foundational pieces are so important. Yes. Um, as far as your goal or your how you're of service in a podcast, I think one of the things that can be overlooked is that a podcast isn't just an interview show. Right. So you could have a comedy show. You could have a, a dramatic show. You could be doing, you know, like plays online with multiple voices. Yes. You may have um, a solo show or an interview show. There's so many different kinds of shows out there. It's really just the container. The podcast is the container for all this stuff. I, I've actually said to people that, you know, the podcast the microphone, the recorder, all that, it's like renting your office space, right? Yeah. You need those things, but what happens inside is what's important. And so, yes, be of service, but that service could be entertainment. That service yes, could exactly. be Good point. You know, escape or, you know, it could be a fan podcast where it's just fun to share stories. So it doesn't have to be takeaways. But the other thing is that nobody's going to share your show if it isn't serving some niche, right? Yeah, and so they're right. going to say, you know what? You should really check out Kate Payne's Coffee with Kate because she always has that mix of interesting people with human stories, but also always helpful takeaways for us. Mm -hmm. So if they didn't have that knowledge of what kind of what you were and what right. your value was, they wouldn't be telling others about it. Right. Let's go back to your five Ps because I've only heard two. 
So what are your five P's? <laughs> yes. So the five P's are number one is purpose. And that's why are you doing the podcast? And again, right. it's not your why, like I want to clean the plastics from the ocean. It's your why, like I want to drive traffic to my website. What can it, what can it achieve? Yep. The second is your point of view. And that's what okay. we talked about. That's finding your voice. Right. The third is process. And that's all the stuff that's kind of less exciting, but really important. Do you edit yourself? Do you hire an editor? What's your show format? What's your schedule? How frequently do you publish? How do you promote? You know, all those pieces. How big is your team? Who's on your team? How do you choose your guests? That's all process. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth P is practice. And this is one that gets overlooked so much. And I think it's so important because people, you know, they may hear you and I talking on camera and uh -huh. they may think like, well, they're really comfortable. Like, I don't have that. I'm not good at that. And, and I like to remind people that, you know, I was somebody when I first got into this business, when I tapped on the mic to say testing one, two, three, <laughs> I would turn beat red. And even when I started, you know, my own podcast and this process of growth that I talked about in the last year. Yeah. I was able to apply my own coaching to myself and really learn how to get comfortable on camera. And it is absolutely a skill, absolutely something that you can do with practice. Mm -hmm. So practice, practice, you can get better at interviewing, you can get better at your call to action, you can get better at your mic technique, your voice, your tone quality, all those things. So practice right. is an important part of it. And then the fifth P is promotion. Because like we talked about, if all you do is you put your podcast out there, People are not going to find it. It's not build it and they will come. No, it's <laughs> like a blog not. post, right? We know that. We've seen that. You write something. It could be an amazing article and you post it on your website. Unless you do more to let people know it's there, they're not right. going to find it. Right, right. Yep. Well, I certainly get all that. Um, Catherine has been very helpful. She's been putting out some interesting links. So she's obviously doing her her work on the back is, and about downloading numbers, excellent perspective. So on those, Marion, so thank you for that. Um, Catherine, um, we're going to talk to Marion a little bit longer. If you want to come into the broadcast studio, I can put the link up and um, bring you in if you'd like to in a, in a few minutes. That be, might be kind of fun, but you'd be on camera. So sometimes that scares people off, <laughs> but we're friendly. We're easy. Um, so, so let's, let's get just, I'm going to ask you some quick questions. So, who is a good, for somebody who's going to commit to a podcast, what are some of the things they're committing to? So I think one of, you brought up an interesting point just moments ago. You know, you need to make a decision. How much of this are you going to do? Are you going to hire somebody to do the tech? What are your recommendations? Because I could just say, even from what I'm doing with my show right now, and I've been doing Coffee with Kate for a while, I'm still doing all of it myself. But now I'm getting to the point where, like I'm using StreamYard right now, and there's all these great tools so I'm interviewing you live. I want to have a conversation and remain an active listener to ask good questions, but I'm answering questions and I'm, I'm doing all this stuff in the background, trying to look good while I do it. But, you know, I'm going to get to the point where it's like, I'm going to hire a moderator so that I can be, you know, just even better, you know, really fully present. So let's talk a little bit about the, what should, what was a good, here's my analogy. When I got into the business and I asked somebody, what's one of the first things I should do? Um, whoever it was and several people followed said, get yourself an accountant. Like if you do mm -hmm. nothing else, get mm -hmm. yourself an accountant. So if you start a podcast, what would be those one or two things you would say, if you do nothing else, you do fill in the blank. Yeah, I would say, I think the thing that people don't realize is what editing takes. Yeah. And certainly if, if this is really like your hobby and you yeah. want to learn to edit, 
fantastic. But I would say editing can be like writing. It can be a really deep skill and it can take time to learn and to be good at. And mm -hmm. so there are a lot of really good professional editors out there. And many of them also really have more experience in the podcast space. And so they will also give you some guidance on the side about what works and what doesn't because they work with many different clients. So how do you find an editor? So that's a great question. Um, that is a great question. So for I, example, I use LinkedIn ProFinder to yeah. find people like copywriting and things like that. Um, is that a place where you can find people or is it, is there some resource or directory? Yeah. So there are, um, there are a few really good reputable Facebook groups and that's a great place to start. Um, my favorite Facebook groups for, you know, again, the, the no BS zone, the, um, they are podcast movement, which you, uh, no, you talked about. Well, so podcast movement is, uh, they have a Facebook group. They're the largest in-person conference um, for podcasters, uh, PodFest Global Expo, which is the yeah. one you spoke at. That's the mm -hmm. other one that's right up there. The two of them are neck and neck for the largest. They have slightly different communities. Another great one is She Podcasts, which I've has a really strong one. podcasting community. And then there are a few editing groups that are also really good. I wouldn't suggest you join them to look for an editor, but maybe ask someone if they know people okay. in there and they have resources and forms. Um, there's a group called Podcast Editors Mastermind. Um, so those are great places. If you were to post in any of those groups and say, how would I find an editor? Somebody will probably pick it up and they'll share it into those editing groups. Okay, great. Good to know. Um, any other, like before you do anything, you know, get yourself an editor. Um, yeah, so I would say um, number one is really think about what you're going to do. One good recommendation is to think about topics Think about how many episode topics you can think of before you start. You know, could you, whether it's topics for the show or guests that you want to speak to, think about, can you come up with 15, 20, 30, 50 off the top of your head and write right. them down? Because if you can't, if you get stuck at three, uh, then maybe it's not the topic for you, right? right. So that would be, um, that would be sort of a con, if you will, like this, if you can't yeah. think of enough topics and guests that then don't feel the pressure to join the pod fest, uh, podcast, you know, um, media path. <laughs> yeah. I would um, because, because you may not have enough to support it. And I, I'm, I'm going to jump in here. I remember back three, four years ago um, when a, several of my colleagues in the social media world we're starting their own podcast and what they were doing at the time. And so I'm, what I'm asking is this, is if their method then is still a method now, or if it's changed, um, they would, they would prepare 15 to 20 episodes before they actually launched the podcast. And so number one is why. And number two, is that still a best practice or is it changed? Yeah. So first I would say, um, you know, again, the number one thing, you know, if you're asking the pros and cons of should you start a podcast, I'm going to jump into that a little bit before I get into the specifics. Of Sounds good. Yeah. So should you start a podcast? One of the great reasons to start one is attention. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about this like attention economy. If you hear, you know, Gary Vee talks about that, whether you like him or not, it's true. Um, everybody's out there vying for your attention. Mm -hmm. One of the great things about podcasts is that people listen while they're doing other things. So it opens up a whole new avenue to access your community. So you can't watch a YouTube video or read a blog post or even watch a LinkedIn Live 
while you're folding laundry, while you're doing the dishes, while you're out for a run, while you're on your commute, while you're driving to pick the kids up at school. Right. A podcast, you can. And the really interesting thing about that is it doesn't mean the listeners are distracted. In fact, the listeners are more engaged, more connected. Yes. They feel very personally connected because you're with them Mm -hmm. in these intimate parts of their lives. Right. So that's really a pro, right? Yep. But I would say if you don't know what you want the podcast to do for you, don't start it. And when I say what it can do for you, it might be that you just really, it's your, it's your self-expression, just like you painting watercolors. You might want to start a podcast. That's okay if that's your reason, but have a reason. Well, it's almost like what you could do too is like, I'll, I'll tell some of my clients, like if I talk about like, so do you do a blog? And they'll be like, oh God, you know, like I should know, I know I should, but I don't, I don't really like to write. And then I'll be like, well, how do you feel about video? And they're like, oh, I think I could do that. You know, if I could just talk and put my content out from the way of video, I mean, I think there's two types of people. There's writers and they're video people. Right. And I guess now, pod, you know, audio, so you have right, podcasting right. and you've got clubhouse. Um, so I think that people have to find what they're comfortable with, but it's another way. If you do a podcast and you didn't want to do a blog, doing a podcast could be a, 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 another means of getting that content out, but it's just in a, in a talking fashion. Yeah, that's right. That's a great way to think about it. And so I'll answer now that question that you asked about the, about the launch. Um, the reason, so the hardest thing to do is to bring people to your, to your home base, right? That is to get people to your podcast. Mm -hmm. So the reason that the recommendation is to launch with multiple episodes is twofold. First of all, when you go to all that work of getting people to find, you know, grounded content and click on it and listen in their podcast player, if there's only one episode there, cause you just launched that you've lost them again. Right. Cause then they're like, She's a noob. <laughs> well, not, not even that, but I mean that too, right? Right. But if they listen to it and they love it, then what? Right. They want more. They want more. So if you start, the recommendation is to start with three to five episodes in your queue on day one. So okay. when you do all that work to get people there, there's a reason for them to stay there and get engaged, right? Okay. Yeah. And then the other reason that doing like 15 ahead of time is if you decide that you want to be on a weekly schedule then um, that can be a lot of pressure. Okay. And so you don't want to be on that treadmill of, do I have a guest for today? Have I recorded it yet? You know, if you've got a a little bit of a buffer, that helps. Okay. And I think to answer the other question you had, um, you asked about kind of the commitment level. Yeah. And it might be helpful to talk about kind of what the overview of some of the tasks involved in, publishing an episode are to give people an idea of what it will give us an idea of that. Yeah. In a a cliff notes version. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the cliff notes version, if you do sort of your standard interview podcast, so first you need to research the Mm -hmm. guest to select the guest. You need to reach out to the guests to get them to agree to be on your show. You need to schedule the guests, which sounds easy, but sometimes it's not if you're busy and they're busy. Right. Right. Then you need to do your research to decide what questions you're going to ask. And I have some great kind of guidance about that, but I won't go into that right now. So then you have to think about your questions. Then you get on whatever app you're using or if you're doing it in person and you actually record the interview. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to get your interview edited either by an editor or by yourself. Right. And that may mean a couple of back and forths, um, depending on how much you 
want to work through the edit, whether you're just taking out the ums and ahs and kind mm -hmm. of background noise or whether you really want to make it flow better and work on it. Okay. And most podcasters will then take that and based on that, they'll record an open and a close mm -hmm. for that. And the reason you do that is if you're listening to a podcast, it's in that first minute or two where you're going to decide if you're going to stay. Right. And so as just like with our interview, you know, the yes. first few minutes are kind of the warm up, right? We're right. getting comfortable. And so if you start your podcast with that, you may lose people, even though there's great information to come. Right. If you record an intro afterwards, mm -hmm. letting people know what they can expect, what the promise of that episode is. Right. Um, so you'll record that. You'll send that to your editor. You maybe have music that gets added. So then your show is all put together. Right. And then uh, when you publish, you need to publish with show art. You want a title. You've got to decide again yeah. what that title is and how you're going to grab people's attention with it. A short description that has to be written. And then it needs to be scheduled and published. Okay. So those are kind of the steps for an episode. And none of that includes any promotion. Right. Yeah. You haven't even done that part yet. And you haven't done the promotion. So if you do all that work and you don't do the promotion, it's almost wasted because it's nobody's wasted. going to find it. So this leads me to believe this leads me to another question then that just popped into my head. If somebody's going to make a commitment to do this, what would be the um, initial financial investment for them to do this? So the financial investment, I mean, I think this is why there are relatively low, I guess. Right. Right. I think this is why there's 750,000 podcasts right. that have an episode out of the over 2 million. Because, because it's accessible. It's an accessible, it's accessible platform. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, like we were saying, it's like the gym membership or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's okay that it's easy to start. And right. then people may kind of think about it and say like, well, is this worth it? Right. But in terms of the financial investment, I mean, really, if you're doing your interviews online, um, all you need is a good microphone. I recommend a microphone that's $65. That's what I'm using right now. It's a great mic. What's the um, mic? It's the Samson Q2U. Q2 Samson Q2U. <laughs> and the reason I recommend it is, one, it sounds great. But two, it has uh, both a USB connection and a professional, what they call XLR connection. So right. you can use it with any setup. Okay. And it's very reasonably priced and, and it sounds good. And then so there's the good old Blue Yeti. Yes. So I won't tell what? you that most podcast editors really do not like the Yeti. Yeti. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, lots to know. See, that's yeah. why we have you here to get all these little inside tips. Well, I, and I mean, I don't even really know why, but I just know in the editors groups, it's kind of one of those things. Well, I remember back in the days of when we were doing video, there were just certain things that's like, yeah. I'm only using this type because I know it works and it has this quality and I'm sticking with it. So, right, right. Yeah. So, so financial investment, I mean, the recording software, if you use, you could use Zoom, mm -hmm. um, you could use recording software. The software I use, I think I pay about $35 a month for that software. Um, again, about $65 for the microphone. Yep. Uh, you have to have a hosting platform. There are some that are free. Generally speaking, you're going to pay $20 to $40 a month for your hosting. Would that be like Spotify or, or those so types? When you're talking about platforms, what, what are you, can you name some names? This is a great, this is a great question because this is something I think uh, causes a lot of confusion. Okay. So the way, basically speaking, that a podcast works is you create your audio and you upload it to a hosting platform. So okay. Libsyn is one, Buzzsprout is one. What okay. these Anchor is one. What these platforms do is you upload your file to that platform 
and that platform distribute it, distributes it to Spotify, to Apple, oh, to iTunes. To I didn't even know that. Okay. To Overcast. So once all you have to do is use that one service. Okay. And then it goes out everywhere. Well, I was right. always wondering that because, you know, if I, I mean, I've, many times I've Googled, like when I was researching to prepare for our interview, um, I was researching grounded content. It was taking me to all these different things. And I'm thinking, how does Marion do all that? Yeah. And so. this is like, this is where it's the no bullshit zone because I have heard people on Clubhouse and I have seen unscrupulous people um, offer to, you know, to get you on Spotify for additional money or get you on iHeartRadio oh, for additional wow. money or put your episode out here and there, or even suggesting that you monetize that way. Like, well, I could interview you, Kate. And then after the interview's over, I could say, you know, this interview was so great. I'm not going to just put it on Apple. I want to put it on Spotify too, if you can pay me for that service. Oh, wow. And I'm okay. going to connect you with my PR company to, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. So that is... So the hosting uh, is could be free or could cost twenty to fifty dollars a month. And then if you have an editor, generally speaking, and as you know, with any creative endeavor, there's a huge range. But yes. generally speaking, you're gonna char- you're gonna pay between a hundred and two hundred and fifty dollars an episode for okay. your editor. Okay. So that kind of probably a very worthwhile investment. A very worthwhile investment. Yeah. So that gives you an idea of the cost. Okay. Yep. And then you've got to, you know, do your social media promotion and all of that stuff too. You yeah. just brought up an interest, another interesting point, which was on my list of things to ask you about. So when I'm working with my clients and I'm working with them on personal brand and, you know, everybody knows that I do the LinkedIn thing too, but I'm always trying to find other ways that ha- get traction. And so one of the things I um, advise people to do is like to really make a robust, strong LinkedIn profile you know, yes, you want to get it out there for what you do with your story, your professional story, your professional expertise, your niche, your skill sets. But not a lot of people think of the fact that their LinkedIn profile can actually be a PR tool for them. And the and and one of the things that you, you know, having a really great LinkedIn profile is that I know in my world, and I come from public relations for you know a long time, is that journalists are online looking for sources. And so what are the things they're doing, whether they have your name or they have keywords for the type of field you're in, whenever somebody types in your name on Google, if you have a LinkedIn profile, it shows up like before your website even. And so if they go to your LinkedIn profile and your LinkedIn profile <laughs> this sucks, um, they might not want to interview you and you could be one of the smartest people in your industry in the world. Um, so I would, I'm curious, do you, you use, when you're looking for guests, whether it's for Spartan Up or it's for grounded content, um, do you see, do you find your, some of your sources on LinkedIn? You know, this is such a good point, Kate. Every, first of all, every interview I've done as a guest, I, I think without fail, I can tell whether they tell me or they don't tell me that they checked me out on LinkedIn because I'll hear them use some phrase about yeah. me or something. And I'll think like, what, what was that? Oh, right. It's on my LinkedIn, my LinkedIn profile. profile. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. It's a place for research. Um, for me personally, I don't do like a search by topic, Okay. but I do um, absolutely. Uh, if I have a potential guest, I will look up their LinkedIn profile as well as other sources. Other stuff, of course. Yeah. It's not like and, it's just a LinkedIn profile. But, but I would say also uh, sharing LinkedIn content. You know, um, I'm interested in this space of marketing and messaging because that's what I love to do. And so I right. follow 
a lot of people on LinkedIn. And even if they're commenting on someone else, I'll see that. And oftentimes I'll see somebody that has a really interesting take on things that I want to know more about. Right. And I'll comment on that. I may even reach out to them in a personal message and just say, hey, I really loved what you said. And then I'll continue to follow and see if that pattern is consistent, if they right. have, you know, continue to have interesting, um, unique takes on things. And I'll often, I've found several guests that way. Right. And reached out and invited them to be a guest on the show. So LinkedIn right. is a is a big part of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I just, I, I want to remind people that, you know, your LinkedIn profile can do a lot of things, but it's also, you know, see your, envision your LinkedIn profile as a, as a PR asset for yourself. For sure. Because people, whether they're journalists, reporters, or podcasters, they're looking for people and mm -hmm. um, they're Googling, you know, keywords that are relevant to your industry, but they also could be Googling your name and, um, and you want to make sure that you see it that way. So, um, so, so what have, what have I missed? What, what is, or what's a myth actually about podcasting? If there's such a thing. Oh, there's so many. There okay. are so many. Give me, give me two. So one of them is, is monetization. Okay. Um, and that is um, the myth is that the only way to monetize your podcast is through sponsorship. And I would say that, you know, I think a piece of misinformation that's out there is that, um, that that's sort of standard, that you're going to start a podcast and you're going to make money on it. Mm -hmm. So first of all, we talked about the average kind of numbers. Right. So, and I, and I wrote down some of the other numbers, right? So we said, if you have um, 125 downloads or more at 30 yep. days, you're better than 50%. If you have 2,900 downloads per episode, you're in the top 10% of mm -hmm. all podcasts, right? Yep. So if you're looking for sponsorship, the average CPMs are between twenty and thirty dollars. That means you have to have a thousand downloads to What's get. What's a CPM 20. again? So a CPM is uh, the cost for one thousand downloads. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so if first of all, most companies will not even talk to you if you don't have five thousand downloads. So if you okay. think about that, that means you have to be in the top, you know, five percent ish of all podcasters to even have an agency look at you, right? Okay. So think about that when you're launching, right? Out of the 2 million podcasts out there, are you going to be in that top percentage? When you say agency, what do you mean? What are you trying to get? Yeah. So, so, uh, sponsorships are like, if you have an ad in your podcast, if you have oh, a, I see what you're saying. Gotcha. Or a mid roll ad in your podcast. So somebody buys ad space in your show. And I think a lot of people think that is the one way to monetize your podcast is to sell an ad in your show. Okay. You know, if you listen to the big people like Tim Ferriss, you know, there, there's yeah. always like Casper, uh, you know, mattresses or mm -hmm. whatever those things are. So most of those ads are paying between 20 and $30 per thousand downloads. Okay. So, right. If you have 125 downloads, you're not making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's number one um, is that you really have to have a big audience to make monetizing through sponsorship makes sense. Okay. Right. Um, there are other ways to make money on your podcast and there are some scuzzy ones like we <laughs> talked about, like, okay, oh, you're so great. Now I'm going to charge you. Yeah. Now I'm going to, yeah. Business, now I'm going right? to scam you or scam you. Yeah. Right. But there are some other really good ways to make money from your podcast. And one of those is to sell your own products. One of those is to build your own business. One of those is to build your own network. And another one is kind of what we call an IP factory, an intellectual property factory, right? Okay. So for example, with the Spartan Up podcast, the founder and CEO of the company interviews 
he's interviewed now over 365 people, right? Mm -hmm. Every one of those interviews is someone he's interested in. And right. every one of those people is giving him new ideas and new concepts. And those become part of his book. Those become blog posts. Those become social media posts. Those become email newsletters. Those become articles. And they also just become, some of them integrated into just his talking points, his story. They mm -hmm. become, you know, that richness that is his story. Right. So I would just say that's back to the purpose, right? right. Is there are so many ways to benefit from a podcast. Don't Number one, on the one side, don't think it's super easy to make money by selling sponsorships, but right. also number two, don't think you can't profit off it mm -hmm. just because that's so hard. Right. Well, what about, let, let's just talk about a little bit about social proof or credential. I mean, yeah. if you have a podcast and you are doing it consistently and you're committed and you're getting interesting guests and I mean, I think that just that social proof piece is, is very valuable also. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Kate. I think being able to be the, you know, it, just from the PR point of view, right? If you're trying to land uh, TV appearances or be interviewed for articles, all of a sudden, if you are, you know, the host of a show in that area of expertise, mm -hmm. that gives you a credential that right. helps you get in the door. Right. And the other thing is that, um, you know, it's a, it's an incredible way to make real connections with people. Right. I mean, just think about you and I, we've known each other for a long time, a long time. Yeah. But really when we did that podcast interview, we spent an hour really talking to each other and mm -hmm. it kind of reconnected us on a human level. And I feel like we have kind of rekindled a friendship or built <laughs> a friendship because of that. And right. so that's a big element too. It can be abused. You know, there are certainly people who kind of do a fake podcast just for mm -hmm. the networking, but right. it can be a really great way to um, make human connections with people. Oh, oh, abs absolutely. Um, one of the things I've done, which, which will, would help any of you, those of you listening, you know, live or on the replay is on my website, which is standingoutonline.com. I have a media, t uh, t button, a media tab. And what I have put in there is like places where I've either been interviewed on the news, which is are fewer, but I've been on a lot of podcasts, um, as a guest over, the last few years. And I put every single one of them up there. And um, so people can see, even if they don't listen to them all, they see that I've been on all of these shows and I've been on several. And so not only am I, you know, must, I, basically what that says to somebody is, okay, well, she obviously is comfortable doing this. She must be articulate or else she wouldn't be invited back, you know, um, and the SEO traction you get. So if somebody is Googling me, um, to work with me or hire me or whatever, all of the stuff that I've been on the podcast shows up in Google somewhere on second or third pages. So it's another way to get that search engine optimization um, by, you know, and if you don't want to start a podcast, then do like what I do and make an effort to be a guest on people's podcasts because it does help you and it gives you that social proof. I, I, I agree with that all hundred percent. And I would add to that, Kate, that not only do people know from that, that you are comfortable speaking, but they mm -hmm. also know that all these other people chose you and thought of you as an expert to invite you on. Mm -hmm. And the third piece I'll say is that I know any of the higher level podcasts, they're going to go and they're going to listen to some of those interviews to decide if you're a good fit. Mm-hmm. So it, it just is valuable on so many levels. 
Um, and one other thing I'll add to people too, is if you are a speaker, like if you're a professional speaker, and I don't necessarily mean just a keynote speaker, but if you do breakout sessions and stuff like that, um, and if you've done any virtual, which is what happened to me last year, which I never expected, is that when people listened to me on a virtual or on stage, they were reaching out to people in their network saying, you need to call Kate Payne to be on your podcast because she's really knowledgeable about X, you know, LinkedIn or whatever. Um, and so, so you, it's really behooves everybody to be thinking like, have your radar up literally and figuratively, because um, there's, there's a real place for you to be able to get some, some traction and build a network and have fun all at the same time and be real. Yeah. And being a guest on a podcast has another advantage, which is you are having access to their audiences. Right. Right. If you build your own, you've got to build an audience. Right. And then it's your audience and you're speaking to the same people. Right. But if you're a guest on somebody else's show, you have access to their audience as well. Yeah. So we're getting toward the end of our time and I wanted to just touch on one final thing. So we've, we've learned a lot here and I've taken down some notes on, on some of these nuggets that I want to make sure I timestamp um, when I post it on, on the replay. So, um, so thank you, first of all, for all that. What I would, I would like to just talk about clubhouse or, or audio. Cause that's next. It's the next wave. It already is a wave with clubhouse. Um, but LinkedIn's going to have their own version. Twitter already has that. And it's, we're going to start seeing more and more of that. What do you think that will do to podcasting? Will it help or hurt? I think, um, I don't think the impact directly, like, is it going to help or hurt is going to yeah. be that significant. I think one of the really different things about podcasting to all the other social media channels is that podcasting is still really all a broadcast channel. Right. It's not really a social media channel because it's not interactive. Correct. There's no kind of commenting and interaction in that way. Right. So a lot of podcasters are excited about Clubhouse as a way to either test content or supplement content or promote content. So they might do an interview podcast and then invite the guests to a Clubhouse room where their guests can talk to their yep. you know community can talk to them. So I think the smart podcasters are looking at how Clubhouse can um, build on that. But I would well, also say that it's almost like if you can't beat them, join them. So figure out a way to make it an opportunity. Yeah. Of. I mean, and I would also say like, you know, we talked about all those people who um, want to start a podcast, but maybe they don't want to do editing. They don't want to have a publication right. schedule. This is a way there are some people who really the podcast wasn't a great fit, but right. it was the only option. Mm -hmm. And So now they can go to Clubhouse and they can have that real community element, that real interactive element. Right. Well, that's why I started out Coffee with Kate. Yeah. Um, and I started this show three years ago and I haven't done a lot because the reason I started is as I was hoping that LinkedIn would come out with live streaming, you know, and um, it did. But then you had to apply for it. And I took me nine months and five applications to finally get approved. So I thought what I would do is LinkedIn let you post video, native video, but it could only it couldn't be any longer than 10 minutes. Right. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to create this Coffee with Kate show. And that's why I designed the mug, because I thought what I'll do is I'll send the mug to my guest. <laughs> and it'll be kind of a shtick, but it'll be like we're sort of having coffee, you know, together in real life. And I started doing interviewing people, but it was only like eight minutes, eight to nine minutes. Mm -hmm. And it was like a quick, like a quick intro, a quick tip. And that was it. And I thought this way, I'm kind of getting my, my, my foot in the water sort of, or my toe in the water. Then LinkedIn live came along. Um, and so I finally got accepted and, and here we are, but 
I didn't want to commit to a podcast. It's just not something I want to do. This way I can I can manage it my own way. I try to do two shows a month, which is doable because I've got to do all the other things in my business. Right. Um, and I benefit it, it benefits me. I mean, people get excited to be a guest and I suppose I could take it and do something with audio in another in another way, but that's just, you know, maybe maybe when I build my team out more, I'll figure out ways to do that. But um, you know, it is a commitment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, as we, as we kind of wrap up, um, you know, one of the biggest things that I work with my clients, so now I do podcast consulting and coaching. And one of the, one of the most important things is to really help people look at what's the effort required and what's the benefit. And so every decision we have to be realistic and we have to say like, if this takes a little bit of effort, but mm -hmm. it will get us a lot of benefit, right? It's a good choice. It if is it a takes choice. a lot of effort, but minimal benefit, it might not be a great choice. So, right. you know, I think that's an important part of all these decisions. Right. I agree. All right. Well, I think we're going to wind down, but Catherine just said, I look forward to a Vermont meetup of some kind in the near future. So I think we need to make that happen. And um, thank you for, for all of your helpful, your helpful insights. So Marion, it's been awesome having coffee with you today, even though I confess I have water. <laughs> Enjoy your coffee with Kate Mug. And um, if anybody has any questions going forward, the replay will show up. You can still post questions in the comments section. Um, tag me or Marion so that we can answer the question. And um, I also, uh, so Marion, what, what is the best way for people to find you and connect with you? Yeah, I'm, I am active on LinkedIn. So if you're watching this on LinkedIn, that's an easy way to find me. If you're watching it somewhere else, I'm active on Instagram. The good thing is Mad Motion is an easy way to find me pretty much everywhere. Um, and my website, madmotion.com, may even be the best place. You can find everything there, including some new information on the coaching and consulting work that I'm doing. Great. And this is the link on your screen where you can get to her Grounded podcast page as well. Yes. Thank so. you so much, Kate. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, please hang out so we can just say goodbye offline. And um, and we'll, we'll see you on the interwebs, as they say. <laughs> Thank you all the Vermonters for showing up today. That was great. Yeah, it was. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Your journey to online visibility and personal branding success is just beginning. If you're ready to take it to the next level, I have something really special for you. I'm offering a complimentary discovery call exclusively to our listeners. This personalized session is your chance to ask questions and gain insights on your personal branding efforts or even your LinkedIn marketing strategies. I've also prepared a free ebook titled Telling Your Story, Tips to Discover What Sets You Apart. It's packed with tips and tricks to help you identify your own compelling slice of life story. This resource will empower you to craft a narrative that captivates your audience and sets you apart from the competition. To schedule your free discovery call or to access the Telling Your Story ebook, Simply click the links in the podcast description below.